Hello, welcome to this week's economy with your host, Dr. Vance Ginn. I hope you're having a great day today. It's another um, great day to be alive and in this paradise that we get to live in each and every day. And I hope that you're continuing to prosper in many ways. Today, you know, I'd like first like to say, Check me out on vanskin.substack.com where you can subscribe to my newsletter where you'll get these podcasts, whether it be the Let People Prosper show that comes out on Tuesdays or the This Week's Economy that comes out on Fridays. You can get those right in your inbox. And so please do that and share with others and um, leave a rating wherever you, wherever you listen to this or watch on YouTube. Please do so. I'm also trying out some things on Rumble. So maybe you can find me out on there as well. But a lot of good opportunities to do so. And always on Twitter at Vanskin. Um, I've always come up with some good stuff there that I use for these shows as well. This week, we had the Let Fuel Prosper show was Dr. Michael Munger. Uh, and it was a great discussion about transactions costs, also capitalism, and some things that we need to be concerned about for the future. And we also talked about DAFT, which is just deficits are future taxes, which is correct, right? We've got to pay for it at some time. There's no, nothing is free. And so we pay for that along the way. So it was a great discussion. Be sure to check that one out. And this coming Tuesday, uh, I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Bob Murphy, where we had a great conversation about the Austrian business cycle, also about what's going on with the Federal Reserve and some other things there. And, and a lot of talk too about the new quote unquote new right with the national conservatives and what does that mean and what does it mean for the future of America and some other things um, and how they look a lot like progressives in many ways. Um, so it'll be, it's a good discussion. Make sure to check that one out as well. But let's get right into what's going on overall in the economy. I'm recording this on July 12, 2023. And so I wanted to get you, give you some updates of what's been happening here recently. The markets have been kind of a little bit volatile today as we had the inflation report that came out. But before I get there, I want to go back to what happened last Friday, which was the first Friday of the month, jobs report day. And so I want to make sure, and this is for the United States economy, what's been happening across the country for um, jobs. And the jobs report for June was well below expectations. You know, you had about 210,000 jobs that were added across the country. And these are non-farm jobs from the payroll um, survey that's done for businesses across the country. Um, but, if you ex but if you take away the 110,000 revisions downward, 10,000 jobs that were revised downward, meaning not as many jobs over the last two months, then that means the net effect was only 99,000 jobs that were, have been added. So not a good picture there. And most of these, about 60,000, were government jobs. So that's a cost to the private sector and not productive form of jobs. It, it works out for those who have the job. But remember, all those government jobs come with a cost. There's no free lunch again. And so that comes out of the productive private sector. Household employment. So the other one where they actually call up households to see you know, where they have a job, if they're over 16, they're looking for a job and all of those things. Well, household employment has been essentially flat since March of 2023. So we've had a couple months now where there's just not a lot of jobs that have been created, at least people saying whether they have a job or not. And there's differences there, right? The payroll survey can show uh, there are established businesses that have been in existence for more than two years. The household survey can be any job. So you have a lot of startups and everything that can get going. We, we saw a pretty big spike in, in that household survey after the pandemic as a lot of people started working from home and opening their own businesses. But now maybe many of them are losing out whenever you have higher interest rates, higher cost of capital, um, maybe their business is slowing down as well. And so that, those jobs just haven't been as plentiful. Um, so that's something we need to watch moving forward. You know, employment levels haven't ret didn't return to pre-shutdown levels for at least two years after the pandemic and all the shutdowns. So that's another thing that's pretty concerning about when you look at the labor market and what Americans are facing across the country. Um, and then we have average weekly earnings were up less than inflation 
year over year for 20, 27 straight months. Although that that may be a little bit different now, given the inflation report that came out today. So I think it'll really stop at like 26 months since April of 2021, because inflation came down, at least the headline number. Um, and so the jobs report, I would say, was below expectations. And so that's something we need to continue to watch moving forward there. And getting into the next big report that came out this morning was the CPI inflation report. So that's our consumer price index. It's a measure of basket of goods and services that an urban, a typical urban household would, would purchase. Um, it's not the best measure, but it is one that gives us an idea of what to look for over time. And what it shows was that headline, the headline inflation, the overall, including all the things that are in this basket, was up 3% overall in June 2023 from June 2022. Um, and that was down from 4% the prior month. And so what we're seeing is that we had a lot of inflation in the early part of 2022. And so the in increase, it's still increasing, right? Year over year, or even month over month. Um, but it's slowing down compared to how much it grew last year. And this is another reason why, you know, a lot of wages by, by Americans and their incomes just continue to lose value. Those dollars are losing purchasing power because inflation is going up. And so I think this was a good sign in the sense that there's some disinflation. It's not growing up as fast as it was before. We've seen a pretty steep decline in the last few months. Um, but again, I think there's underlying inflation that's happening there. And that's when you exclude food and energy, which is called the core inflation rate. It was up 4.8% year over year. Um, headline inflation remains well above its average rate since the early 1990s and one percentage point above the Fed's um, target of 2%. So we still got a ways to go there. Inflation adjusted average weekly earnings increased year over year for the first time since April of 2021. Uh, so my bottom line there is that it's good to see headline inflation moderate, but underlying inflationary pressures remain as government debt soars. Fed's balance sheet declines is too slowly, and supply remains stifled by regs and taxes, the supply side of the economy. Um, and look, the Fed should cut its balance sheet at least twice as fast as what it's doing. Congress should cut spending and taxes, and Biden should cut regulations to control persistent inflation, unleash product production and prosperity. And, and overall, what we really need to think about is real inflation is the Fed's balance sheet. And it's been increased dramatically to levels that more than doubled. Um, it is coming down some now. Year over year, it's down 6.7%. But remember, the level is still substantially higher than the $4 trillion it was before the pandemic at about $8.3 trillion now. So more than double what it was then. That's a lot of distortions that's happening throughout the marketplace. And so, you know, when this, this, this inflation is better right now, we do not have stable prices and prices are extraordinarily higher than they otherwise be, would be because of government failures, thereby, thereby reducing the value of dollars in your pocket, even after adjusting for many people's increases in earnings. These distortions cause malinvestments that will take time to clear and heal the economy, which should be left to free people in the markets rather than government direction that always fails. So there's still a ways to go. Um, and look, I mean, Biden's been out recently talking about Bidenomics. And um, the way that I put it is, is, you know, Bidenomics, he talks about it being the middle out and the bottom up, which I don't know what that exactly means. I think it just means that he's trying to get the middle class to be stronger and bring up the, the you know, the, the lower income folks, the bottom more along the way. And I guess hurt the upper income people at the same time, which doesn't work out very well. But really, if you look at the results, not the intentions, which is what we always should do, we have the highest inflation in a generation. We have falling gross domestic output, 
for four of the last five quarters. Um, some of the revisions make that maybe a little bit less to three out of the last five, but at least it's three to five. The, the last quarter and the first quarter was pretty much stagnant. $2 trillion deficit spending for years to come. Falling year over year, real average weekly earnings, which maybe went positive. This, this previous one, we'll see what the revisions show. Historic burdensome regulations, more safety net recipients, corporate welfare to big businesses, and tax hikes on, on all, whether it be inflation or actual tax hikes from the Inflation Reduction Act. That's binomics. Not good, not what we need for the future, and something that we really got to change quickly. And you also see that Biden's Inflation Reduction Act is doing, you know, quote unquote, a great job of raising the budget deficit, where the Congressional Budget Office recently reported that spending's up 10% year over year, and the deficit is already as high as it was last year through just three-fourths of, of this fiscal year, so likely close to $2 trillion for the full fiscal year. Spending ultimately is the problem. That's really what we got to get at where you know just through 9 months of the year of this fiscal year it's at 1.4 trillion dollars in 2023 just dramatic it was only 875 billion all of last year so um or or at least 875 billion through this same period last year so that's something we want to continue to watch because the fed will probably monetize it and put more inflationary pressures that were out there so that's kind of the national front on the state front you know the thing uh, the big part that came out here recently was in texas we talked a lot about the property tax relief discussion and the stalemate that had happened over the last couple of months where we had the regular session nothing was passed although they did pass the largest spending increase in texas history a largest corporate welfare increase and also largest safety net increase as well so not necessarily good things there at all uh, but no property tax relief and so they brought in a sp called special session by the governor nothing was done then then he called a second special session based on a path to eliminating school mno property taxes and also redoing that by cutting the property tax rates those school mno property tax rates those were the two things that were called in the special session and instead you had the house and senate couldn't agree at first. Then they came out with a deal this week, which is about $12 billion, $12.7 billion in new tax relief. $5.3 billion was already done in the House budget bill, HB1, um, that was for old, maintaining old relief. So the total tax relief, if you think about it in that sense, it's $18 billion. But the new relief that Texans would actually feel from their property taxes is only the $12.7 billion. So that's the one we really got to focus on. And what, what happened there was that they reduced the amount of what's called compression, which is just lowering of the school property tax rates, which was part of the call and is the best path to eliminating property taxes, which was also on the call by the governor. That was reduced from $12 billion to $7 billion, a 40% reduction from 16.2 cents of compression per $100 valuation to only 10.7 cents of compression. And so I think that was a huge mistake there. That was part of the bad things um, that was going on there. This is also not the largest property tax relief in Texas history, although politicians will want to make that claim over and over again. But that was really be closer to 21 billion, almost double what they're trying to look at right now. If you look at what happened in 2008-09 with 14.2 billion, adjust that for inflation, right, to have the same purchasing power and to be 21 billion dollars. Um, so this will be the second largest property tax relief, which is still big, right? I mean, it's a substantial. This is probably the, I mean, it is the largest tax relief in the country. And it, and it is the largest tax relief. If you combine most of the states that have been providing tax relief, it'd be more than all of them. So, I mean, this is substantial in that sense, but let's not overplay it. Let's be truthful to Texans of what they're getting. And, and a lot of that's not all going to go into their pockets anyway, because the lo local governments will just raise their tax rates in the process as well. So look, it didn't provide a patch to eliminating school property taxes. It's less than half of the 
$33 billion in surplus that we had. You know, they so the, the next thing they did was they they're raising the homestead exemption. And none of this has been passed yet. They've, they've maybe passed that out of one or two chambers, but it hasn't been passed out of the full legislature. Um, the governor has said he would he would sign it. But so the first thing was compression, which was less than what it should have been. The second thing was raising the homestead exemption to 100000 from $40,000 today. Uh, which will help homesteads, but not renters or businesses. And I think it's just another way to shift the burden around. The third thing was they had a 20% appraisal cap version. Um, they call it a circuit breaker for those with, um, for businesses and rental properties, if you had less than $5 million of valuation. And so again, this is not going to lower property taxes or provide a path to elimination. It would limit the growth some, but it would just shift up, up to higher tax rates in the process. There was also raising the franchise tax exemption, more than doubling it from $1 million to $2.545 million. So that means more small businesses won't have to pay it. But again, you're picking winners and losers, just like the homestead exemption does. Not a good, not a good path there. And 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 these, except for the compression of reducing property tax rates, weren't even on the call. And so I'd prefer that Governor Abbott just veto this and say, look, I'm not going to pass this at all, or at least come up with another path, another bill that would put forward an opportunity to providing long-term property tax relief. And there are some good bills you know, that are out there. And had they not went in and made such substantial increases in the budget, the largest spending increase in Texas history, they could have put more towards property tax relief, whether the families are of a home, have a homestead or a rent or a renter or an employer, they should have got that benefit in the process. And so I don't think this is a good deal. I think it is something that is going to pass. We will see some benefit from it from homeowners and others across the state, but there was so much more that should have been done for property taxes, especially given the call, given the push to elimination, which is really where they need to be. Um, there's so much more that could have been done. And so, you know, there were 40 groups that came out and supported this, a lot of big business and think tanks and others around in support of what the governor had called of compression. And, and now a lot of those groups are coming out in favor of this, which has very little to do with compression. Only about half of the money is going to compression. And so I think this is, there should have been a lot more done here and I'll have more to say about them in the future. And then just wrapping up here, what's going on in the States is um, there's a new report by Bloomberg saying that, you know, K, um, and I was on KTRH News in Houston recently discussed how just six Southern states have more economic output than the entire Northeast as policies matter and people move with their feet. And, and, you know, whenever you're thinking about this too, there was another good article in the Wall Street Journal recently, the states in America where incomes are growing faster, where are they? Well, an earning surge in right-leaning states is helping comp compensate for slug sluggish growth and progressive ones. What we've seen, especially since the pandemic, pandemic, but even before then, was that more people have been moving with their feet to places with less government, less government spending, lower taxes, and less regulation, more free markets, right? So that way they have more opportunities to prosper in leaving those blue states, progressive states in the process. And that means a lot from the West and from the Northeast are leaving and moving more to the South. And so you have more people, more production, more economic output. And so you're going to see more economic growth. And so it's quite fascinating that just six states in the South have no more economic output than all the Northeastern states by about 1.6% percentage points. And so this is a dramatic increase that we've seen here over time. Um, so a lot of things happening overall. I think it goes back to the idea that free markets works best. Free market capitalism is the best path to let people prosper. And when that's what we need more of in the states, at the federal level, and across the globe. And so thank you for joining me today. Until next time, let people prosper.